0: Okay, so I'm here today with Cam Birdie, who is a friend of mine. Uh, We met quite a few years ago when I was down in London. I was there to see the Barefoot doctor and we met through a mutual friend called Nick Story, who's a musician. And since then we've kept in touch on Facebook and then we've kind of followed her. She's always been a bit of a spiritual person. And then she's recently started um, promoting herself on the internet with a new website and a new kind of career for helping people. So we're going to talk a bit about her background. And what she's up to now. So how are you doing today, Cam? I'm
1: really good. Thank you very
0: much, Billy. How are you? I'm doing very well indeed. It's not too bad here. The summer's about to come, so I'm feeling pretty positive. What about yourself?
1: Yeah, well, we've had sunshine for about four days, having had very, very cold um, winter weather for so long. It's been a very hard winter in England, but the sun's been out. and um, Just being connected to the sun raises everyone's spirit, I think.
0: It does. It's amazing how much of a difference it can make. And uh, the first few months I came to Turkey, I just felt kind of lots of stress and pressure come off me just with that injection of sunshine.
1: Yeah, it, it's uh, it's amazing what the sun can do and how
0: it lifts people's spirits. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about yourself, for for, for us to say to you, Who is Cam Birdie? Um, who, how would you describe yourself?
1: I'm I'm me basically. I'm I'm not my beliefs and structures based on what I was in the past. I'm in my 40s now. I've been in a relationship for about four and a half years. We're getting married this year to a lovely man called Chris. I have a gorgeous stepson who's 17 next month, and it's been wonderful being part of his life. But a gorgeous dog who looks like a, a hairy Yeti. He's a soft-coated Wheaton terrier, beautiful little dog he is. Mm. And I love music every Really, most types of music, there isn't anything that I could actually say that I don't like. I've been very much influenced by music most of my life, quite creative that way. I enjoy cooking, like being creative cooking. I'm doing a bit more drawing and artwork in my life. I'd like to be able to express myself more through my artwork. I like to write. In fact, I actually love to write. I've started penning a book and I've written songs in my time. So at some point I would like to be able to give those songs to people and say, hey, go ahead and sing it. Very cool. Caring person, quite compassionate, and I I love life, I love people, I love adventure, I love having fun, I'm quite funny and witty at times, and I just like being.
0: That's cool, I like how you describe yourself, not based on things you've done in the past, but actually your relationships around you and things you enjoy, yeah?
1: Yeah, absolutely, you know, I love the sunshine, but then I also like snow, I don't mind the rain, but I like simply being being alive as a person and and Being me, really. Being what I believe I am.
0: Uh So what do you believe you are then?
1: Just someone who's connected, who's aware, awake. Um, My connection to everything that is life, really. People around me, understanding people, understanding myself. I'm just here to live my life and really enjoy it. I'm having a human experience. And I'm very, very blessed to be in this world right now with all the massive, massive changes that are taking off and being part of that transformation to create a better place for all of us to live in, including nature.
0: Yeah, I'm very much thinking along those lines myself. Um, uh, I think there's a massive change going on and it's really up to us to kind of step into that uh, new us and um basically create, be the change you want to see in the world, yeah?
1: Yeah, I think if you want to see change externally in the world, you have to change yourself. Yep, if right. something's not right within your li- your life, you need to change you because you can't, you're can't. you not responsible for changing anybody else but you.
0: Yeah, that's all the power we have at the end of the day, yeah?
1: Well, we have a lot of powers, but I think the power, using the power of your mind and using the power of your heart and understanding that you are actually responsible for your reality, for what you're creating in your world, then, yeah, it's a big understanding and then you can take the steps to make it happen for you.
0: Yeah, I mean, we, we don't get really taught that as youngsters, so it's kind of something that you kind of have to search and find, I think, for yourself. Have you, have you found yourself in a kind of mission to discover more about yourself or what made you kind of start to think along those lines? You know?
1: Well, from a very young age, I know I was connected as a child, but I couldn't really... Con- I couldn't really relate that to other people because I didn't know who to say what to and how to say it. If people would take time to understand me now. They would know that I've spent the last eight years of my life looking for who I am as an individual and not the beliefs and consciousness of other people. Now these, again, aren't aren't, aren't studies that we were given at school, children aren't taught to be themselves. You're institutionalized, you follow certain subjects, you follow certain patterns. What happens in the playground, the foods that you eat, you don't have much choice because people believe that you're too young to have choices. But if you're guided by the right people to be able to make the choices for your experience, they then become you, and you find out who you are.
0: Yep, very good. So did you have anyone guiding you to make choices uh, along these lines?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I had uh, a very powerful career that I had and and enjoyed for a good few years, and I burnt myself out incredibly to a stage where I ended up in hospital, in A&E, in fact, very, very quickly. I worked stupid hours I didn't know any difference I felt that once you start reaching a good career and you earn a good salary and you drive a fast car and all that sort of stuff you made it in life and it's almost at the time I didn't know and it's because I've done the self-work I understand it was about acceptance and approval but that wasn't who I was that's who I felt I was manufactured to be that's what that's what you do in life so unfortunately eight years ago I became very very ill and ended up in A&E and I was in a hospital for three weeks where they wouldn't diagnose anything and they doped me up with morphine. I was still sitting in a hospital bed doing interviews and doing my emails and all that sort of stuff for the company that I was working with, having no idea whether I was going to get out of there or not. So when I wasn't doped up on morphine, which was way too easily available, um, I was working and trying to understand why am I in this place until one day I actually woke up almost out of this daydream from not taking morphine for a couple of days and said, hold on, I need an operation because something's not right. And they'd already carried out certain surgery. And eventually I discharged myself from the hospital and got myself into private health care and had confirmed that I had a cyst the size of a golf ball in one of my ovaries and it hemorrhaged. Mm. So I had surgery within 12, 14 hours. And I was absolutely petrified because I was all on my own.
0: Yeah,
1: and that woke me up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so basically, let's let's go back a bit further to, to to the stage where you got to that point, and then we'll take it from there later on. So, can you tell us a little bit about your childhood? Because you said um, you're you kind know, of an Indian uh, family; it's a background. You're first generation, your family uh, yeah. in England, and you said you're like a, a little bit of a toy boy growing up. And what was your life like growing up in England as a first generation Indian? I
1: was very much in awe of life, as I remember as a child. Everything was new. Everything was this wonderful, magical experience. Again, I just knew how to be a child, very much looking at life through the eyes of a child. And I idolized my brother, the way I saw him. Well, you do, you look after your brother. That's how I was brought up. That's how in the Indian culture I was brought up, and a lot of my relatives were brought up, that the son is king. You know, you, you do respect him, and you do everything you can for him. So, therefore, I wanted to be like him, and I wanted to follow in his footsteps because that's what I believed was the best thing to do. And being a girl was less favorable because the girl always stands two steps behind the boy. Hmm. I had a good childhood in that sense. I mean, I had a lot of fun. Hmm. We did. Um, we, we used to make up games and do things that kids normally did when they were young. We had school. I didn't like school. I was bullied at the school by girls for being different, because I didn't want to do the girly things that they wanted to do. And I just wanted to find and be with people that I actually liked.
0: Mm-hmm. And so you said that the actions of females around you made you actually think that female being female was a sin in some way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've, again, it's it's by doing the self-work, I look back and reflect at myself and my actions as a child and behaviours which resulted in me becoming I guess, very ashamed of being a female. So you're born into an Indian culture where the man rules. And my mum, bless her, didn't have a lot of confidence. And she had a lot of courage, but not a lot of confidence. So you did everything that girls did. You became what, you did what girls did. You behaved in the way girls did. You, You didn't talk up. You didn't stand up for yourself and you just became a subservient person. That's what I believed at that time.
0: Mm -hmm. So do you think that was very much to do with the Indian culture that you you were in?
1: I think it's very much to do with that. I've I've met many people who have experienced that themselves, that you don't actually have your own voice. Because if your mother hasn't spoken out loud, how dare you speak out loud? You just put up with it and you continue to stay quiet. There are many women that I know still who are Indian and non-Indian who don't talk about what's going off in their life because they don't feel that they can ask for help. They need to put up and shut up and cope and deal with whatever they've got to deal with. You're subservient. You do everything that you do for the male. You look after him. You wash clean. And you do your job.
0: Yeah, well, I'm living in Turkey right now, and uh, I think it's a very, you know, kind of macho culture here, and and, uh, I feel sorry for a lot of the women here um, because that's just the way things are. You know, they they kind of get a role in life, and the the man dominates the house. I think it's slowly changing, you know. It
1: is so. It is changing, Billy, because in the olden days, you know, the farmers, the men, the men went out to work and the woman managed the house. That's how it was. Yep. You know, you manage the family, you manage the house. However, it's very different living in England and you've got the Western society saying one thing and you've got the Eastern society saying something else. So you've got two personalities.
0: Yeah, that must make it a lot more difficult, yeah, because you've kind of got your your friends and they're ways of seeing the world and then you're getting a different thing when you go home every night.
1: Yeah, it was different. I said we had, I mean, parents looked after us. They were fantastic. They are fantastic parents. Mm -hmm. We ate well, we drank well, we clothed well. Uh It it was great. It's just as a child, you know, until you start doing self-work, you don't realise how those influences in childhood really do affect you later on in life. Mm
0: -hmm. So, So you had this kind of perception, you know, you were kind of subservient to the males in other ways. And being an Indian, were you kind of, did you have any racial abuse from, like, you know, English people around you or British people, you know, was that an element of you growing up as well?
1: Yes, we did. It was, uh, again, it was interesting because you, when you're a child, you don't see yourself as different. Mm -hmm. And even now, I don't see myself as different. I don't see myself as a colour. I'm a human being first. So as a child, when people are racially abusing you and calling you very unkind names, you then start. Questioning yourself and thinking that you are actually different that you must be that person that people think you are because as a child I was very much in a place where open-hearted you just love everybody and still now I'm very much I still will love everybody you know I'm not what people want me to be and I never can be that person but in childhood getting racial abuse and seeing people around you getting some racial abuse it was it was horrible it really was horrible.
0: Yeah, do you think times have changed? And which part of England were you actually brought up? Brought up was it was it like a big influx of uh, Indian people there, or were you a minority, like very small minority? Yeah.
1: I've never gone out seeking any harassment mm-hmm. on a conscious level, and if people do choose to be racially abusive, then it's ignorance and it's how they were brought up. If they want to create separation, that's between them. But even within your own cultures, people don't talk to each other. Mm-hmm. They, they, you know, there, is, there is a prejudice, there's an underlying prejudice. You look at caste systems, you're all effectively the same colour, but people still have a caste system against each other. So mm-hmm. it's going to continue whichever way it's going to continue, but it's knowing whether you're going to allow it to affect you or not. And nowadays, I think it's more openly accepted that we are actually one race. We're humans first. And to raise that awareness is very, very important.
0: Yeah, I think it's uh, uh, just the way the world was in those days, maybe, you know, Britain was a predominantly white culture and then the kind of influx of other cultures came in, and took a bit of time to adapt, and then eventually they kind of realised that we are all the same, you know, underneath.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Many years ago, I I spoke to a chap um, who was from Ireland. This is going back about 16 years. And he said to me, you know what, I left my, my village in Ireland and I came to London. He said, oh my God, there's people who are non-white. He said, I was so shocked, I didn't know this existed. <laughs> and this is going back only about 16 years. Yeah. So if you've not been open to that and it's not been part of your reality, then there is going to be a difference. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So again, I was reading, uh, obviously, the background to yourself on your website. And uh, one thing that you, you mentioned on the website was um, you, you actually got into an abusive relationship. Was this based on the, the, the these things, of the racial, the, the racial, you know, slurs you were getting, and being a an Indian girl, was that affecting you in those days to like perceive the world a certain way? And get, did that make you get into this relationship where you were abused? You know, as, as if you were like almost had that victim mentality.
1: The relationship happened when I had split up from another relationship, and I needed to get away. And this guy who I'd known had actually said, look, come and live in my home for six months, rent free. I'm going away and traveling abroad. That didn't actually happen. And we ended up having a relationship. And I came from being a very, very independent, strong, confident young lady to at the end of it became incredibly subservient and very much controlled. When you're in a relationship like that, it's very difficult for yourself to see outside it. You can't see what's actually going in because I have very little friends around me. I had very little family around me and i went to work and i came back home the guy was incredibly charming and is, you know still now he, he's he's a nice guy he's taught me a heck of a lot in my life and i sometimes think things, these events do happen for your own personal growth and your own personal learning and it was not necessarily anything to do with racism i think it just was it was a relationship and no matter how much i loved him His insecurities shone through me, and he didn't like his insecurities and therefore didn't like me. If I was successful, he didn't want me to be successful. He couldn't control me, and he was very much a control freak. So eventually I got out of that relationship. It was a challenging experience. A friend of mine came to stay with me, and she said, can you actually see what's happening here, Cam? This guy's controlling you. It's not meant to be like this. But when you've never had the guidance and the support of other people around you, You don't know whether it's meant to be or not. It's the old shut up and put up. You made your bed, now lying in it. Mm -hmm. You know, being in a relationship with somebody who's non-Indian, well, who am I going to go and talk to? Did I really want to hear anyone saying to me, well, there you go, mixed relationships don't work? No. So I continued and continued. Until eventually, I left the relationship and I left him. And I learned a heck of a lot in that relationship. I learned all about cooking. I learned all about gardening. I learned how to respect myself more. I learned how to love myself more. And I learned how to heal myself as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I personally think uh, you know these relationships happen for a reason and uh, to make you stronger ultimately. And um, that seems to be what's happened in that case. Yeah,
1: absolutely, became much stronger again. For a while, I was very angry because I became incredibly subservient. And if it wasn't that for that guy, I wouldn't have had the career that I had in construction. I mean, he said to me, you will never earn X amount of money. You will never drive a sports car. You will never live in a house like this. And I I looked at him, I thought, you watch me. (laughs) And within six months, I'd done it. So that
0: was a kind of huge motivation then to kind of prove yourself um, to him, basically.
1: Yeah, so he was a great teacher. He was a great teacher.
0: So in that, then you've basically got the successful job and everything. And then is that when you ended up in hospital after doing that at a high level? Because you were maybe doing it for the wrong reasons and just pushing yourself to the maximum. Was that kind of, this, this was caused by the stress factor, do you think?
1: It was very much caused by the stress factor. It was very much caused by me not actually looking at myself and and, and loving myself and being aware of what was happening within my body, the stress very much had a big effect on it. But assist um, most gyne issues from my learning and understanding is actually to do with relationships with being a female. So when I ended up in A&E and was off work for three months, I've been in hospital for three weeks, been in hospital, had the op and everything else, then went in for surgery, and was off work for three months, I came across I was bought a book by gentleman you mentioned earlier, Barefoot Doctor. Okay. 108 Blessings. And at that stage, I was taking a lot of medication, and my body was incredibly traumatized by the level of surgery. It was a cesarean operation, and it was incredibly scary because I want to have children. Mm -hmm. And being told that actually you may not have children as a result of this had a massive effect on me.
0: So, basically, what happened after that, then?
1: So, what happened after that, I started reading um, Barefoot Doctors' books. I went on his Tai Chi retreat in in Spain. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed opening that part of myself. Through those weeks off that I wasn't working, I started looking at myself and realised that I was 33 years old. I hadn't been in a relationship for quite a while. Um, I couldn't remember the last time I actually dated a guy. I was still working at nine o'clock on a Friday evening and most weekends. And what was my life really all about? Why am I here? So from reading these books, I thought there's gotta be something else out there outside of this nine to five, because I'm not happy. Well, not even nine to five. It was, it, I'd normally start work, 6.37, I'd be on the road. I wouldn't get home till eight, nine o'clock. So most people would see that as quite glamorous, having a car and all of that, but you put the, put the energy into it and it burns you out. So when I went to the Tai Chi retreat, out there in in Spain, I had a massive, massive experience of discovering more about me from the medication I was taking, 24 tablets a day and a Tense machine, to having just six tablets a day by the end of the week. So the Barefoot doctor for me was a tremendous catalyst for my spiritual growth.
0: Yeah, That's really cool. So basically that, that got you open to the, the field of spirituality then
1: Absolutely. So I started learning and learning more, and did more courses, and and really discovered a lot about the connectivity of life. That there is more to life than the regular, mundane, get up, go to work, come back home, have dinner, watch TV sort of life. I I didn't want that. I want to be able to do something else. And in my, you know, I didn't want to go back into the world of, of construction, but I knew that I needed to because I needed to fund. One, I, I needed to earn an income. Two, I needed to f- further pay for my studies. Mm-hmm. So, most weekends, I was studying and learning more, more subjects. I, I absolutely loved it. I threw myself into it. I had a new purpose, I had something to live for. Mm-hmm.
0: So, that's basically you probably took those teachings as well into your uh, corporate lifestyle as well and tried to play with them a bit in that field to see how, you know, treating people differently from your different perspective was working. Yeah, I
1: I, I stopped being so competitive. Mm -hmm. I stopped having to feel that I had to prove myself. I was was in a male-dominated industry, Mm -hmm. and I couldn't quite understand why I needed to prove myself to anybody. So from the learning and the growth that I carried out, I discovered more about myself and my previous needs for acceptance, for approval, from being a victim, from blaming people, from judgment, all of those belief systems that became me. And by releasing what I thought people wanted me to be, and how to behave, and how to act in situations, and finding that needle that was in a haystack, which was me, and doing a lot of deep work, I came out the other side of the running of roses, I believe, and now I help people mm-hmm. through my own experiences.
0: Yeah, but I think the best teachers are those that have been through you know, a lot of crap themselves basically, yeah?
1: Well, it is. I mean, would you really go and speak to somebody? Um Would you go and speak to or have advice of somebody who wasn't actually an expert in the area? I mean, would you go and ask for a mortgage from a dentist? Yeah. No, you wouldn't. Mm-hmm. You'd go and speak to a mortgage advisor because you'd expect them to be qualified and understand. Yeah. Absolutely. So, equally in the work that I do, because I've been there, I've done it, I understand about belief systems, your thoughts, the patterns, life, etc. Because I understand myself as an individual. Mm-hmm. I feel I am in quite a good position to help others, and I do.
0: Yep. You mentioned again on your website that um, you basically discovered about demons and past lives. I'm just curious. Uh, I've actually been reading about demons today, so I uh, just wondered what what you how you define demons exactly, and how did you find out about your past lives?
1: For me, the demons were definitely was was my shadow side. So by my shadow side or my dark side, so you got the light side, you got the yin, the yang. It was those parts of me that I didn't like, the ego, the belief systems, the negative thought patterns, the, the wounded child, the insecurities. That was more so my demons, the things about me that didn't sit true, you know, the, the, the chatting voice in the head, all those little bits and pieces that take you away from your essence. And when I started working with past lives, I had one experience where I wanted to explore past lives and relationships with other people. And from there, I started into, when I started working in my shamanic work and learning more about past lives and reading books by Dr. Brian Weiss, Many, Li- Many Lives, Many Masters. And also my experience at Stansted College, which is the Arthur Findlay College in Stansted, it's about School of Psychic Studies, found that your past lives do actually influence your behavior today. So through the shamanic journeying, I wanted to heal the relationships that I have with people in my life today, so with families and experience and learn what my connections were, firstly through curiosity, but when I realized that I could actually heal those past lives and take away the lessons and the learnings and not bring them into this life, I found that my relationship with people became a lot more easier, they're more present, they weren't based on past lives. Because I do believe your past lives do, do influence this behaviour. And being born into the Indian culture, we do believe in reincarnation.
0: Well, you know, I'm actually, I've got goosebumps with you talking just now because I, I talked to a psychic uh, recently who mentioned a relationship that I was uh, in recently and said that it was based on a past life experience. And the only way for it to get better was to actually walk away from that person and then in the next life or something that will continue and it'll, and it'll work out better because she has a like a particular lesson to learn. And so of that in this life, you know. But you're saying there's actually a way to heal that in this life, so that it don't need to continue to the next life. Is that right? I
1: don't, well, this is what I do with my work. You know, with other people, it's up to them. These are all my ba- my relationships based on me. Mm-hmm. So, the, the tr- we talked about the abusive relationship with a chap that I was in a relationship with, when I actually did some past life work, he was my father in a previous life. Mm-hmm. And he punished me and he still, we still carried mm-hmm. the energy of what happened in that past life into this life, which is why I became, I believe, so subservient. Yep. And he became so controlling because in a previous life he was my father. Mm-hmm. And then I looked at relationships with siblings and parents and friends and people around me. And by going into those past lives through shamanic journeying, I have healed them. Hmm. And I teach people how to heal them because there's no point carrying that trauma back. Because in shamanism, everything is happening. If you're still carrying a trauma, if if something has happened in your life and it still brings out some sort of emotional experience for you, you are still carrying that trauma and that trauma is still live somewhere in the ether. Everything is energy. Hmm. So why carry that trauma? Why not heal it?
0: Yeah, Very interesting. So basically, you got to the stage in your life where you were... um, you know, getting more and more spiritually aware. And did you get to the stage where you got a kind of call and that you thought, okay, I'm cured, I need to help others do this? What made you kind of go out of this construction world that we're into where you're, where you're heading now?
1: I was listening to a lot of people being so incredibly unhappy, incredibly stressed out, really mm. where I was in that place before, trying to find something. And the more I opened up, spiritually, the more I discovered that there is more to life. And you're not here just for the nine to five, you're here and you have a purpose and everyone has a purpose. And when I discovered this was my purpose to help people awaken, transform, or feel happier, then I carried on learning even more. And I thought, this is what I want to be doing full time. This is what I believe in. You know, if I'd went back into construction now, I'd be so unhappy. I'd be so, so unhappy because I listened to my heart and I listen to my soul, and when I'm doing my work now, I have so much joy. The rewards are listening and reading testimonials and people's faces. They come in to see me, or we work on Skype, or over the phone, and their voice just completely changes at the end of the conversation, or at the end of our sessions. You know that you've done some transformational work. That's so much more rewarding than driving around, meeting people, creating business for other companies. I'd rather help people. Yep.
0: I think if everyone had a kind of, uh, you know, service to others based attitude, the world would be a far better place, you know. So you're doing, uh, I was listening to a Billy Connolly interview today and he basically got asked what he wants for his children and he says that that they find what they want to do and then do it, you know. So you're in the process of doing it and that's what I admire about you, you're taking that step, you know. Um,
1: Well, it's been, I've been wanting to do it for a very, very long time and You've got to sometimes remember it's all about timing. All the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle have to fit into place and sometimes you need all the tools as well. So I've done that and I'm still on the path of learning and growing and in whatever period of time, another layer of you know, my outer layer of skin, something will be exposed that needs to be healed, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's a continuous journey. It's a continuous learning.
0: Yeah, Even as you're practicing, you're basically healing yourself all the time as well as you're helping others you know that's making you feel better and your energy is raising and then that goes out there to the universe at large basically so yeah
1: absolutely
0: i would like to ask you about the different methods you use for healing people so if i came to you with a problem that would i come to you and say can you do nlp in me or can you do this or, me? or do you talk to someone and then you've got these different methods can you tell us the methods and how you would then um, you know diagnose someone and help them Okay, so So I don't
1: diagnose people first and foremost, I just give them my best interpretation of what I feel is right for them. So I'm not a medical doctor, I'm a therapist, and I am trained in all the therapies that I use. So NLP, Reiki, hypnosis, shamanic healing, I work with crystals, I work with the angelic realms, I work with ascended masters, I effectively work with energy. So hypnosis is very much about being working with your unconscious mind and removing negative belief systems and reprogramming effectively the unconscious mind with the positive um, behaviours and attitudes to be able to create a behavioural change in your life on an unconscious level because your conscious mind effectively tells you what's going off every day in life. Your conscious mind is what sees, behaves, attitudes, but your unconscious mind effectively is where your thoughts, feelings and ideas tend to come from. The NLP is very much about changing the way you think, changing the way you use your words. Somebody could be saying, oh, my God, I drive four hours to get to X, Y, Z. And then I had to do this. And then I had to do that. I would change it around to, oh, my God, you drove four hours and you had the energy to do so much more. Oh, wow. How fantastic. Well done you. It's changing a negative into a positive. Reiki is universal life force energy. It's energy. So I... You use hands, I tend to send energy energetically through intent anyway and Reiki goes wherever it needs to. It's a wonderful, wonderful healing method that allows stuff to be shifted, that's an invisible stuff shifted from the person's energy field and it actually helps people restore their balance in life. The shamanic healing, i when I started working in a shamanic way it brought together all the other therapies that I started working with. It goes deeper, on a much, much deeper level. So I'm not here alone. I connect with people on a very deep energetic level. Everything is energy. So if I was working with you over the phone or through Skype, Billy, I would be able to connect with you energetically and look at the areas in your energy field where there may be an imbalance of energy, misplaced energy, or maybe there could be a trauma. So I'd just connect with you and I would know because I trust myself and I trust my guides. I would follow my instinct and make you aware of that. It's so powerful, the work that I do. I, I don't just offer one single therapy. So for the client, it would be whatever was going off in their lives. I need to understand, firstly, what was their birth like? You know, are they still carrying birth trauma? What were the influences when they were children? What were their behaviours? I look at possibly what they're eating. I look at the people around them, the influences in them, around them and how they are, are moulded into being the person they are. And more, first and foremost, I need to know what they want shifting. So once we've ascertained all of that, we'll talk about what work that we're going to do together and both be comfortable. Because I only work with people who really want to be doing some deep work as well.
0: Mm-hmm. So people don't kind of really need to be committed to spending quite a few sessions with you to really clear it out. It can't really be done in one session or a couple of sessions, can it?
1: Again, it depends on what people want. You know, if someone's been depressed for 15 years and they expect to come along for one session and think that everything's going to be over whoopee-doo, you know, whoopee-doo, hey, I'd love that, Um, wouldn't anybody, but you've got to understand the people have been carrying their problems or their issues or their challenges for a very, very long period of time. I try and do as much as I can as quickly as I can Mm -hmm. with what the person needs. We can either go really deep or we can just look at one issue. It's whatever works with people.
0: Mm -hmm. And you, you also do some past life regression with others as well, is that right?
1: Yes, I do. I forgot to mention that one. Past life regression, again, when the relationships in their lives are very unstable. So I worked with a lady recently who had a very difficult relationship with her mother-in-law. And she said, look, you know, she's a very, very nice lady. She said, I just don't know what to do. There's something we seem to be clashing every single time. And I said, "Have you, have you, have you looked at your past lives? So when we started looking at the past lives and connectivity, she found that in a previous life, her mother-in-law was somebody that she'd actually killed. That was in a previous life. So, you know, you can understand the influence on that previous life having an effect on this previous life, this life, sorry, if it hasn't been healed. So that's still, that's still energy. Energy still moving backwards and forwards. I mean, look at lineage, people still carrying the trauma of their parents and their grandparents and their great-grandparents, which hasn't been healed. And they still feel it today. It needs to be healed, you know, right back to that time sometimes for people to really move forward. This is why cultural changes and all those bits and pieces going off in the world. You've got to look go back to the ancient times when stuff started, really.
0: Yep, does that lot, make sense? Yeah, it does. There's a lot of, basically, trauma that the human race has been through. And I, I don't think we've been the sole cause of it ourselves. You know, I think there's been other Influences from other species and stuff and uh, we've been very much suppressed and there does need to be a massive I think focus on healing People who we need to a lot of
1: people haven't been taught healing and a lot of people it's basically Shut up put up. You don't necessarily if you've got an issue. You don't want to be alienated or ostracized Because you've got an issue mm-hmm. Most people don't admit to things that are going off in their lives I know that when I was in the past depressed I wouldn't talk to anybody, and when I did talk to people, people just laughed at me and said, it's all in your mind. For goodness sake, I know it's in my mind, but I only need to talk to somebody out about it because I don't know how to get out of it. Yeah. So, you know, if you in, in the olden times, you couldn't approach people and say that there was an issue. Whereas now, there's so much more available, there's no, so much more alternative therapy. You know, doctors, GPs, they have their place with medicine, scientific medicine, but why put a plaster on a hole? Why not heal it? Why not look at what's going off inside, rather than constantly prescribe pills to people?
0: Yeah, well, that's just treating the, the the you know the effect and not the the cause, you know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So to me, it's getting into the root cause of the problem and getting rid of it completely, rather than just covering it up and pretending that it's not there.
0: Yep. There's another thing. Um, TFT, this tapping thing. Do you do that at all?
1: It's interesting you mentioned TFT. I do actually do EFT. And I have had the experience of TFT.
0: Well, can you explain what they are? What do they stand for? What's the difference?
1: Thought Field Therapy.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So I don't, I've not trained in it, so I don't do it. Okay. But I do practice it on myself. Uh-huh. And when I practiced it on myself, I worked with my therapist. Because I've got therapists of my own that I work with. If anything ever comes up, because I said we're all, we're like onions. Yeah. If something comes up, you've got to release it. And for me, because I'm such a deep person, if something comes up for me, I have to release it straight away. So we use thought field therapy, which is going into the thought, but using tapping on certain parts, on certain meridians of the body to release the, the thought or the energy and the hurt and the pain that may be there. Mm-hmm. So when I went for an interview with BBC Radio Leicester, I was told on the Friday, the interview was Monday, and I was doing thought field therapy on the Sunday. Uh-huh. And I connected with that, and I released all the stuff that was associated with me going for an interview.
0: Yeah, so you're much more effective because that, that energy pattern had been dispersed, kind of thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Again, everything's energy, and people can't see what's going off emotionally. You can't see emotions. No one can see emotions. You can, you know, you can feel them. They come out physically in your body. The stuff that's going off within you internally. You know, yeah. people have belly aches or something's hurting. And you know, people in the tummy area, that's a solar plexus. That's where we, where we hold our power. It's where we hold our emotions. So if there are issues within that area, there's obviously some emotional stuff going off there. And with thought-field therapy and other therapies, the energy work that I do, we can get down to the bottom of that stuff and just get it all eradicated.
0: Mm-hmm. So but until
1: good. it comes up, it's not going to come up. You know, until there's a reason for it to come up, you don't know it's there. Mm-hmm.
0: Another thing, you, you you mentioned you went through quite a stressful time as well, but you also help people with stress, yeah?
1: Yeah, I do, actually. Um, I've focused on stress, public speaking, and finding your purpose, because those three I've had experience with, I understand quite a lot about, and I think they're three that are very, very important in life. Stress itself is a major, major factor for a lot of people in this world. It's like you said... Earlier on in our conversation, you'd gone out there over to Antalya and you were quite stressed when you'd gone out and been in the sunshine a couple of months, you know, things started changing. Stress is not something that you can buy off a supermarket shelf. Stress happens. People get so tense, so worked up with all these thoughts and things going off within them and they don't know how to release them. What people tend to do is their diet goes completely out of the window. They, They eat very bad foods. They drink a lot of alcohol or excessively. They'll... They'll not look after their body and and what that regime will be. And they tend not to talk about it. And plus also, they forget to breathe. So what I tend to say when I work with people is try and understand where the stress factors are. What's triggering that stress? What's in your diet? Are you breathing? I mean, seriously, if you just take a deep breath in, I mean, if you do that right now, just doing a few of those a day and you're feeling under pressure, Oxygenates the brain gets the blood circulating circulating around the body and takes you away from your step, from your stuff So stress is incredibly important because it affects a lot of people and it affects people Who are in other people's lives who are carrying stress and then with the public speaking Public speaking. It's not just about being at an interview or presentation. It's speaking the truth as well A lot of people carry a lot of suppressed emotions that they haven't been able to release and tell people Mm -hmm. and say that actually you did that to me on such and such a day and it really upset me so they still carry this cycle of whatever that suppressed emotion is because they're too frightened of speaking their truth and actually letting people know that i'm not happy about this and then there's public speaking going to an interview there's going to make a presentation at a breakfast meeting i've been to so many breakfast meetings in the past and i've seen people doing their best but they're not actually talking to their audience You know, you're there on stage. You're there to talk to your audience. People have come to listen to you they're not being able to project themselves. And it's the fear of speaking out loud. A lot of people will cough. A lot of people will feel comfortable or find a way of not being able to express themselves. And then finding your purpose. Again, this is something that was true to me again in that sense where why are you here? What do you want to do if you're so unhappy in your life? Do something about it. Change it. Because happiness comes from feeling happy within who you are. A lot of people look externally for happiness. They, they get involved in a relationship and think, oh right, great, I'm happy, I'm all of this. And all of a sudden the relationship ends for no reason sometimes. And they're so unhappy. They're so unhappy because they believe that happiness comes from external people around them. And actually true happiness comes from you. You as an individual inside you. And I've experienced that myself. You know, people are constantly looking, I want this latest designer handbag, I want the latest car, I want the latest watch, all of these material obsessions, possessions. And some people do feel happy about these, but happiness is within you. And when you find your purpose as to what you're here for, life becomes so much easier. And being here is not necessarily about going to go heal the world. Your role here may be to serve people in a completely different way a completely different way to what I'm doing to what you're doing. It, it's so fulfilling knowing that you're actually on your path and living a life that's true to you outside of rubbish, basically.
0: Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. I think that's what we should actually be focusing on from a very young age, is actually finding our talents and exploring our passions, you know, and then finding what's meaningful to us and offering that to people. And then once you know who you are and you're happy with yourself, then you'll find the right relationships. you are not be looking for other, other things to kind of fill that void, you know.
1: Absolutely. People bring you a certain level of happiness. But only you are responsible for being happy within you. You can't expect someone else to do that for you. Yep. Happiness is a feeling that you feel inside. So if that person leaves you, mm-hmm. you're unconsciously searching for that feeling again. And from breaking up from one relationship and going to another one, they're both going to be completely different. And you're going to experience different things. You can't replicate what happened in one relationship. So yes, you're always going to miss that person, but you're starting again and being somewhere else and being happy. And by being here and now and actually being aware of who you are as an individual, there's so much more of yourself you can give. You know, you're not giving your, you're not giving your clap, you're not giving your claptrap. you're not giving your beliefs, you're not giving what people think you are. You're actually giving your true and divine self. You know, you and I are here talking, and I feel so comfortable just talking. I'm having a chat with a friend here because it's me who's talking, not a textbook. Me, what I believe I am. You asked me earlier what being me is. This.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, another thing you stress in the importance of your work is uh, love, basically. And I mean, it's a word that a lot of people can use in all different you know variations and places and stuff like that. But how would you just define love in what you do and the kind of the greater, you know, importance of love?
1: Well, love is something that you feel. It to me, I feel it in every cell of my being. It's this wonderful, warm feeling of being connected. It's that joyfulness of, you know, the sun shining here right now. It's beautiful to love somebody is fully or something, is fully accepting them for everything that they are, which is a beautiful soul. Looking beyond the physical and the beautiful soul that they are and seeing that through your eyes because we are a reflection of each other. And if we don't love somebody externally to us, there's something going off within us. Again, if we don't love ourselves, then how can we truly love somebody else? It's like being around a child a child has all this beautiful energy and just wants to be with you and enjoy that wonderful space and that feeling of bonding and wholeness. And to me, love is that oneness, that wholeness feeling, being connected to everything, being connected to life, and actually being here and alive right now. So if I say to somebody, I love you, I genuinely mean I love you.
0: Mm-hmm. And do you carry this joy and this happiness that you, you emanate right now? Is this your daily experience? Do you... It
1: is my daily experience, and sometimes I don't have great daily experience in the process of moving home. So last week we were both in a state of, actually, what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing here right now? Hey, I'm human. Yeah. I am having a human experience, so I experience the same sort of stuff that everybody else experiences But let's say 95% of the time, I'm in a joyful state of being happy Mm -hmm. because I choose to be in that place. Equally, that 5%, that 5% does come out and I'm not in a place where I'm feeling completely connected because there's too much going off around me. So it's remembering to step back and being centered. You know, it's managing other people's stress and other people's emotions. I'm responsible for myself. So it's how I react to other people's actions towards me.
0: As you say, sometimes taking a bit of time out and just even meditating for five or ten minutes, um, you know, kind of establishes that base within yourself that you can come back to. When you do feel stressed, you kind of notice things, okay, time to chill out a bit.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Just step back, you know, five, ten minutes, even two minute meditation. I learned that from Barefoot Doctor, actually, the two minute meditation. You just step out of yourself, two minutes, step back. Take a deep breath in and plenty of deep breaths in and just regain your breathing and come back into your centre, into your core, back into your heart and everything looks so different. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes in life, we've got so many different influences going off at the same time that people don't know which way to turn. And I sometimes say, just go within and then come back and breathe.
0: That's very good advice. Mm -hmm. So people, um, you've just recently launched your new website, yeah? So have you been doing your healing work for a while and now you're kind of stepping it up a level? or? Yes,
1: I have been. I've been doing this for about five years now.
0: Because yeah, I noticed all the um, great, um, you know, what do they call them, on, on your website, the comments. About testimonials. Testimonials, yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of people are very happy with what, what you've been doing, but you've just been doing that privately, or are you? what's the, the deal with the website? Are you setting up a new office? or you taking it a stage further or what?
1: I'm taking it all a stage further. I used to be doing, I used to do it part time, uh-huh. so I've launched it to do full time and fully embrace the work that I do. You know, it's been a massive transition from being in a career for 13 years to actually taking this on fully. Yeah. Not necessarily knowing which step to take, apart from following my heart and intuition and taking the step that works right for me. This is what I fully passionately believe in, mm-hmm. and I work with people over the phone. I work over Skype. Or I work from my centre. It's the work that I do, it's so flexible that I work around people. It's easy.
0: And on your website, you offer people an initial free consultation for thirty minutes, I think, yeah. Yes, I do. And what, what would you do? Just have a chat with somebody in that case, and um, what would you offer them in that, that thirty minutes?
1: In that thirty minutes, actually understanding the person, you know, what, what are your issues? What's what's going off? What do you want? What do we want to work on? And getting a better understanding, and, and actually getting them into a place of being quite centred, getting them to do some breathing, getting them back and relaxed to where they are and encouraging them to say, it's okay, we're gonna get through this. You've you've taken the first step to make the phone call in the first place. So first, as I say to many of my clients, that you've taken the step to call me, you're halfway there to the process of healing or moving forwards. And then we establish what needs to be worked on and and how many sessions we're going to work through. And then we start a session soon after. So it's understanding, giving them some techniques, building the rapport and building the trust. Because, you know, I'm working with some people at a very, very deep level and there has got some seriously personal stuff going off here. So they've got to be able to establish a rapport with me and that trust. So the 30 minutes establishes that.
0: Yeah, that's good. Sometimes um, maybe it's not necessarily anything against you, but that person doesn't connect with you per se, but somebody else will. So that's good that you offer that to allow people to to feel into you a wee bit as well because they're going to open themselves up to you essentially, yeah?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the idea of having different therapies is there's different therapies for different things. There's no... I don't believe through my own learning and my growth just one thing was not enough for me. I needed to learn different things and use different experiences and different modalities of therapies. And if there's something that I can't help people with, I will refer them to somebody else quite easily. I'm not the be-all and end-all of anything. just another person who's come along who's had an interesting experience in life, training some really amazing therapies and through my testimonials you'll notice that a lot of people have had some pretty good transformational work carried out for them
0: yep definitely it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you cam is there anything else you would like to say um, before we wrap it up
1: i'd just like to say thank, thank you very much billy i really do appreciate your time and to be able to speak with you today Um, people want to contact me, they can find me through my website, which is www.cambirdie.com, and on there I've got all my contact details, and please don't be frightened to give me a call, I'm I'm pretty easy going, people pick up the phone most times and just say, hey, I just want to chat.
0: Yep, I would certainly um, recommend people give you a call, I've enjoyed talking to you a lot, and um, I wish you all the best, maybe we can catch up a bit more, maybe a year down the line and find out how it's been going for you.
1: Absolutely. Thank you ever so much again, Billy. I know it's going to be a tremendous success because this is the direction that I keep being guided to. There's no way running backwards any anymore for me. This is my truth and this is my path and I walk my path with joy.
0: Awesome. <laughs> well, best of luck, Cam. Take care. I'll see you around. Thank you, Billy. No worries. Bye-bye.
1: Bye now. Bye.